Last spring, an ocean glider named the Scarlet Knight was launched into the sea off the east coast of the U.S. It was the second try to complete the first ever transatlantic ocean crossing of an underwater unmanned glider. Well, last month, the ocean robot completed the 7,410-kilometer trip in 221 days. So we're going to kick off the new year with a salute to the Scarlet Knight, an amazing new breed of vehicle that harnesses the power of ocean currents to fly through the sea. It's Wednesday, January 6th, 2010, and you're listening to Making Waves from NOAA's National Ocean Service. Well, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you may recall that we spoke with Stenka Willis last April when the Scarlet Knight was just about to begin its journey. Stenka is the director of NOAA's Integrated Ocean Observing System. That's one of the many partner agencies that made this historic voyage possible. Well, last month, Stenka was one of several U.S. and Spanish officials who gathered together with residents of the town of Bayona, Spain, to celebrate the arrival of the Scarlet Knight. It was a fitting place to hold the ceremony because it's the same town where Christopher Columbus's crew returned on a ship called the Pinta after their voyage to the New World in 1492. It was a spectacular event and a very emotional event. The entire town of Bayona, from the mayor on down, was so supportive of being able to be the town where we recovered Scarlet Night. For them, it was the second coming of the Apinta who had uh, come with word of the new world. And now this new technology uh, arrived in Spain and arrived in Bayona. And they really just rolled out the red carpet. Oh, we'll return to the ceremony in just a few minutes. But first, let's back up and talk a bit about the voyage of the Scarlet Knight and the new technology it represents. So the Scarlet Knight sort of looks like a torpedo, but it doesn't have propellers or an internal engine. Instead, it uses large movable fins and a large onboard battery pack to gently change its buoyancy. So as it changes its buoyancy over time, the glider slowly moves up and down through the water column. And as it does so, the big fins sticking out of the sides of the craft ride the natural movement of ocean currents. It's like how a glider works in the air, except the ocean glider can go up just as easily as it can glide back down in the sea. So the big benefit of the device is that it takes very little energy, and it's relatively cheap. This makes it a great tool to gather information about the ocean, and of course it can also travel long, long distances underwater. How long? Well, that was one of the things the Scarlet Knight Project put to the test. Stenkis said that in the beginning... No one knew if the little device would make it all the way across the pond. This was an extremely challenging mission. If you would have asked all of us when she started out whether we thought that she could make it across, we all hoped that she could, but the percentages were pretty low. We had shipping to be careful of. We had a number of hurricanes that crossed the Atlantic that she had to be able to maneuver through and under, if you will. There is the biology. There are sharks. There are squid. There is the currents uh, that we need to get her across the ocean. So we are just pleased that we were able to accomplish this mission. Now, during the first Scarlet Night attempt to cross the ocean back in 2008, the glider made it all the way to the Azores before it sprung a leak and sank. With the new Scarlet Night, the device sported upgrades based on lessons learned from that first try. It had better communication capabilities, had a more robust battery pack, and a new special kind of coating to help keep off what they call biofoul, that's mostly clams and barnacles, 
from making their home on the craft. Now this coating was a big help, but project members did need to pay one visit to the Scarlet Knight during the voyage to clean off some of the critters. The uh, biofouling coating came into play in that it allowed us to get across uh, about two-thirds of the way, which is where we lost the glider the first year, and we actually did start to see a degradation in the performance. We took a uh, boat out of the Azores and actually dove on the glider and were able to see how the biology had adhered to the glider itself. And interestingly enough, where the coating was, we had much less adherence of the biology than we did where we didn't have the coating. So it was great to see where it worked and how it worked, and that will then allow us to improve it on future missions. While the main goal of the mission was to make the voyage across the Atlantic, the Scarlet Knight was also doing important work along the way, collecting data from the ocean to support NOAA, U.S. Navy, and NASA projects. So we collected uh, temperature and salinity and density and currents. So it was used in a number of ways. It was used to ground truth the satellite data, the remote sense data, from the altimetry, which is the NASA um, mission, as well as sea surface temperature to see how was the satellite data compared to what was being measured in situ. There's also a HICOM model, which is basically an ocean circulation dynamic model, which was a new model, which is a Navy NOAA effort. And so we would take the results of what Scarlet Knight was telling us and verify whether the model was actually forecasting the conditions in the ocean. Sometimes it was and sometimes it wasn't. So they've been able to take the information to make some improvements into the HICOM model. And as well, even just understanding the conditions in the middle of the Atlantic that we don't often measure. So this continuous recorded event from April to uh, December that she was in the water, we now have a track of what it looked like. So that was really exciting that it was able to support not only NOAA, but Navy and NASA. Now, what might surprise you about this mission is that it wasn't just a federal effort. The project was actually run by undergraduate students from Rutgers University. An industry was involved through Web Teledyne Research, that's the company behind the Ocean Glider technology. And there were many other international agencies and institutions along the way that played a pivotal role. The Scarlet Knight mission didn't just happen that students said, oh, let's try to fly this thing across the Atlantic. We'll try in 2008. We didn't make it, so we'll do that in 2009. If it had not been for partners like the Office of Naval Research, the National Science Foundation, NASA, NOAA Research, people like Doug Webb of Webb Teledyne, other institutions like the University of Washington Applied Physics Labs, Scripps Institute, Woods Hole, who all said, we want to work on this technology. And so partnerships have been formed to be able to bring these new technologies to bear. Then there's the partnership at the non-federal level. The intellectual prowess that we have in our academic institutions, the ingenuity and technology we have in U.S. industry, the work we do with state managers and local managers and tribal governments in, again, making sure that our oceans, coasts, and Great Lakes are healthy and resilient and places that we love to visit, work, and play. So we do that through these partnerships internationally. 
we could not have done the mission for Scarlet Knight if we didn't have these international partners. So the success of the Scarlet Knight mission is the result of many different groups working together. And these kind of partnerships are crucial to help us get the data we need to address bigger problems. Things like understanding ocean dynamics and climate change. It is very expensive to collect this oceanographic data. It's expensive and it's difficult. And if we don't have those partnerships working together, we're not going to help the United States and then help the, the world to understand what's going on in things like climate change. Now, the technology behind the ocean glider is poised to play a big role in helping us solve these larger problems. Stenka said that she expects that gliders will be playing a much larger role in collecting ocean data in this coming decade. The United States Navy has actually purchased 150 of these gliders for their missions. So I foresee probably in the next three to five years, we'll start to see these fleet of gliders being able to patrol the ocean, if you will, to collect this oceanographic information. Okay, well, now that we have the big picture in mind, let's return to the ceremony held in Bayona, Spain, back on December 9th. The Scarlet and I was actually going to land for the first time on land there at the 9th of December because she had been on the ship, but she actually hadn't made landing. But they couldn't bring her all the way in. So she's just out on the horizon, and they've got two Zodiacs, one that has the glider, one that's got the press. And the Zodiac comes in and makes its triumphant uh, ring around the bay there in front of the Pinta and uh, comes up to to the pier. And we've got Spanish colleagues who are actually going to bring it up to where the area is. And then we had probably close to 200 school children. And these are ages, you know, or grades from third to sixth grade who were part of the ceremony. Now, back in the U.S. before the mission started, American kids had written letters which were put on a memory stick and placed in the glider, along with a few other mementos. At the ceremony, one of the letters retrieved from the glider was translated into Spanish. And a young child read that letter and, of course, just stole the show. And then afterwards, the Spanish children had put together letters and pictures, and so that was given to Rutgers University. The town of Bayona, meanwhile, were presented with a replica of the ocean glider that's going to be placed in a new maritime museum there. And, this is kind of cool, the town recorded the historic landing of the glider by unveiling a new plaque that now sits alongside commemorative plaques that record the landing of the Pinta and the 500th anniversary of that landing back in 1993. Now that's pretty August company. Stenka said that this really brought home the historical context of this technological feat. It's a historic mission for its ability to advance technology. It is the epitome of what IUS was put together to do, meaning it is a partnership whereby the federal agencies, the state, the local, industry, academia, come together to collect oceanographic information with our international partners to be able to understand things like climate change. And so this mission is just the epitome of what we're really trying to accomplish in IUS. So what's next? Well, the Scarlet Knight mission started out many years ago in the form of a challenge issued from the director of NOAA's Office of Oceanic and Atmospheric Research, Dr. Rick Spinrad. And he was also at the ceremony in Spain with Stenka, where he served up a new challenge to the team behind the successful Scarlet Knight voyage. Dr. Spinrad, uh, who started this whole thing by a challenge, 
could not resist and did lay down the challenge that he would like for us to recreate the HMS Challenger mission, which was really known for its oceanography with international partners. Let's see if we can't do each leg of the mission using these glider vehicles. So the challenge has been issued, and it's now up to us to figure out how to do that. It's really exciting to see where ocean observing is going. Scarlet Knight showed us that we do have that innovative spirit, and I'm looking forward to seeing where we go next with this. Many thanks to Stenka Willis, director of NOAA's Integrated Ocean Observing System, for joining us today. And you can glide over to oceanservice.noaa.gov for more news and information about the National Ocean Service. And you can send in your comments and suggestions about the podcast, about the website, or about the ocean in general to nos.info at noaa.gov. Now let's cue the ocean sounds. This is Making Waves from NOAA's National Ocean Service. We'll be back in two weeks with our next episode. <laughs>